Welcome to the Focus Church Teachings Podcast. We hope this brings a lot of encouragement to you, but we also want you to know that we believe discipleship doesn't occur here, but occurs in small groups where people share their gifts with each other in many-to-many discipleship. If you want to know more about that, stick around after the teaching. Happy New Year, 2023. That is crazy. I, I have to admit, as someone who was born in 1968, 2023 sounds like a made-up thing, not a real year. I mean, we've already passed both Space Odysseys and Back to the Future. I just don't know what else I have to look forward to. It's kind of like 2023 reminds me of 3 a.m. in that they both seem like things that don't actually exist until I experience them. The, no, the truth is, I, I love it. Here we are. Happy New Year. I'm so excited to be here for another year. And I, I, you know, it is arbitrary, right? It's just a time we set. And yet these arbitrary moments are such a good opportunity to just reevaluate, to say, am I going in my journey the direction I want to go? Do I need to course correct? And if you don't think you need to course correct, you're either extremely blessed or a little bit in denial because I think most of us get off course, right? And, and we have to kind of look and say, mm, maybe I can steer back a little bit. And, and what I want to do, and I'm going to make this really brief, uh, I, I just really want to give you guys a challenge. So, so focus here this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a challenge for the new year, and I want you to take it in the spirit it's intended from your friendly neighborhood spider pastor who just really earnestly, genuinely believes that what I'm about to challenge you with can actually make your life better. It can actually make you feel more enthused, more passionate. It can bring more purpose to your life. It can bring you some stability. I really believe that. And so I really want to challenge you with something that is easily heard and dismissed, particularly from a pastor. So give it a shot anyway. (laughs) I am your friend and I really want this for you. And here's the challenge. Make this the year, right? I'm not big into resolutions and I don't really make a lot of goals to be perfectly honest, but I do think this challenge matters. Make this the year that you discover whether Jesus is really worth giving your whole life for. I mean that. Make this the year you really consider seriously the idea that Jesus is worth all your obsession and worship and devotion and submission. Make this the year you decide you actually consider the possibility of being a fanatic and you say, maybe that is what my life should look like. And where does that go? Because I genuinely believe that if you do that, if you explore that, you will discover that it is worth it. You will count the cost. You will find that there are prices to pay, but you will find the benefits exceedingly outweigh any cost. And I think you will find that it will change the course of your life forever if that's really where you go. But a lot of us don't even take the time to think about it, to even consider the possibility. So that's why I say, if I phrase this carefully, I didn't say decide today that Jesus is worth your whole life. I think he is today. But I want you to even start by making this the year you actually pursue that, discover that. And there's two reasons I'm putting it that way. One is I know it's not a, a switch that you just flip. You don't just say yesterday, 2022, I was devoted to all sorts of other things. Today, all of a sudden, I'm a Jesus freak. You know, it doesn't typically happen that way. It can, and if God does that, praise the Lord, but it doesn't typically happen that way. But what can happen is you can begin to consider, to really put in the effort to pursue whether a pursuit of Jesus is worth everything. Paul says his whole life is compelled by the love of Christ. Paul says that there's nothing greater in his life than pursuing a relationship with Jesus, that he's willing to give up everything for that. Why does he say that? I want you to explore that. Was he just a particular kind of person that you're not? I don't think so. I really don't. 
I want you to consider it. And the second thing I want to say when I say discover whether it's worth it is, I think there's a discovery that needs to be made because the reality is that living a life sold out, really pursuing obsessively this relationship with the God of the universe, I want to tell you probably doesn't look the way you think it looks. Because there have been a lot of people in our culture and in our life that, that claim to be living their life for Christ. And a lot of people that even the, the, the culture from the outside will look at and say, this is what we think living your life for Christ looks like. And a lot of those people are very unattractive and very unappealing in what they do. Their behaviors are really questionable and they seem angry and caustic or just weird in not really <laughs> good ways. And yeah, someone who's sold out for Christ should look different but I want to challenge you that it may not look different the way you think it does. Those people, you're probably right in your suspicion that they're not really living for Jesus. The truth is, a lot of those people, they're really sold out for a cause, or an ideology, or a philosophy, or even a creed, and they've just overlaid the name of Jesus over it. And so I want to challenge you, if you'll really explore what it would actually mean to live for Jesus, to actually give your life to Christ, whatever that means, to, to, to live a life that's kind of, that's what consumes you. It will look very different, I think, than what you think it will look. And it may take you some time to discover that. And maybe you, you start that process and six months from now, you realize, yeah, Jesus is worth everything. How did I ever miss this? Maybe it's eight months from now. Maybe you're hearing the same challenge a year from now and you take it then. But whatever it is, I want to challenge you to start the process now. Begin to take the idea seriously as one worthy of consideration. And to wrap up here before I let you go, because that really is the challenge. I don't have a lot to add. Uh, what I do want to add though is three reasons why I think it's worth your consideration. Number one, I believe it is where that life that has been evading you is at. I really do. I believe that you were created to worship and submit to the God of the universe and, and everything else falls short. You know, when I say worship and submit, it's interesting how we react to that, right? We don't like the idea of worshiping and submitting to the God of the universe. It feels wrong, right? We should be independent. We should be free thinkers. Who are, why do we need to worship and submit to something else? It just sounds kind of weird to us. But here's the reality. Our brain rejects it, and yet our very lives always lean towards worship and submission of something. We were created to serve. And we were created to love. And we were created to worship and submit to God. And if we do not do that, there's a void. And we will fill that void by submitting to something else. This is at least in part why addictions are so hard to break free of. I'm not discounting the psychological and other issues. To me, it's all part of the same holistic question that we're created in all aspects of who we are to be submitted, addicted, obsessed with something. But that something's God. But if we leave him out, we end up serving something else. Some of the things are socially acceptable, like money or prestige or power, even our families. But if those are the things we put at the top of that pyramid, nothing will quite work right and our life will continue to escape us. I believe in our souls, we know that we are created to give everything to Jesus. And that's why I wanna encourage you to do it because the only chance at, a, at, a, at, a, at an assemblance of fulfillment in your life will come there. Number two, every cause that you do have. See, I'm not saying other causes don't matter. Of course they do, right? Your family is important. Social justice is important. Whatever else it is, stability or comfort, whatever it is you're pursuing may or may not be important. I'm not saying they aren't, but whatever cause you do have, whatever is important to you, you have the best chance of seeing progress even in that cause 
if Jesus is at the top of that pyramid, if you worship him first, if you prioritize him first. You know, there's a little illustration that Stephen Covey uh, wrote a book a while back called uh, Habits of Highly Successful People. Some of you may have read it, but he, he has this illustration in it where he says first things need to come first and he takes a jar and he puts he, he points out that if you put a bunch of uh, sand in the jar and then you try to stick a bunch of rocks in, you, you run out of room. There isn't room for it, right? You put the sand in and then you can't get the rocks in. But then he takes that same amount of sand and the same amount of rocks and he puts the rocks in first. And then he pours the sand in and lo and behold, it all fits. Why? Because the sand has a way of working around the rocks. And his point is, if you prioritize right and you put the first things first, the rest flows. And I think that's true. And it's true that if Jesus is first, if you are committed to him first, guess what? Your family will flourish guess what? Your life will flourish. I'm not promising prosperity and wealth. This isn't that kind of offer to you, but I am saying that whatever you're prioritizing, whatever causes are important to you, you'll have a better chance of making progress in those causes if you've got your priorities right. And honoring the God of the universe is the place you start. Devoting yourself to him because, again, that's what you're created for. That's how life works. This isn't a should. See, I'm not sharing with you a should. I'm not telling you just that you should devote your life to Jesus. I'm telling you that's the way life works. Third reason I wanna share why is just kind of a personal note. So scripture I think says what I'm about to say too, but I just wanna share it from a personal perspective. I'm not perfect and I have to recalibrate and reevaluate and course correct all the time, as I mentioned at the beginning. But as near as I'm able, I really do believe that I have devoted my life to pursuing Christ. I've been a pastor for 30 years, and a lot of you may not know this about being a pastor, but there's very few reasons to be a pastor, <laughs> right? Most pastors are not mega church pastors. They don't make a lot of money. They don't have a lot of power. They don't have a lot of prestige. That's the reality for 95% of all pastors in the world. Some pastors across the world are being executed and killed for their beliefs. You know, and, and as I look at my days as a pastor, I've never had to face that kind of persecution, but I will say, with all honesty, any reason I had for becoming a pastor that wasn't about Jesus, it's gone. It, it goes pretty quickly. You know, I, I like a lot of pastors, when I first became pastor, part of it was about wanting to be liked. You know what? That goes away so fast. I discovered, and you may not know this, but being a pastor is one of the loneliest jobs in the world. Because people not only feel comfortable telling you when they don't like you and why they don't like you, they feel comfortable doing that every day. There are lots of days in a pastor's life where, where the feedback, the information he gets is far from constructive and is all about why you're not a likable person <laughs> or why you're terrible at your job or why you, you are just awful. So if, if the goal as a pastor is to be liked, that, that passed a long time ago for me. If the goal is power and prestige and money, I can tell you, I haven't received any of that in my years as a pastor. It's been mostly a life of poverty. And I say that without regret, because this is the bottom line. As time has gone on, why do I continue to do it? I took a five-year break. I didn't have to start another church, but I did. I started Focus, and, and why? Not because I think pursuing church is the most important thing I can do. Not because my fulfillment is in being a pastor, but because I wanna go where Christ goes. And this is where he led me. And I genuinely have come to the conclusion that Jesus really is worth everything, everything. And my personal experience of that over 30 some years is that it has brought me a stability to my life. Circumstances are up and down and good and bad. I do right, I do wrong. Things happen, but there's a stability 
and knowing that there's a purpose to my life. There's an integrity that pulls everything together that allows me to be authentic because I know what authentic is. There's a, a wisdom that comes from being able to make decisions when your priorities are set straight to begin with. I think you can have that too. A sense of purpose, a stability, a wisdom, a hope. These things can be part of your life. So how do you do this? How do you start? I want you to think about Romans 12, 1 through 2. I would love for you to contemplate this. Read this. Chew on it. Pray about it. Think about it over the next couple of weeks. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing. This is your act of worship. He then says, then you will be able to test and approve what the will of God is. So what he's really saying is, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? The things you do, who you are, how you live your life as a living sacrifice. I have a friend who used to say the problem with the living sacrifice is it likes to crawl off the altar. That's the point. This is not a sacrifice that you're forced into. But if you offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice, it's only then, says Paul, that you will be able to see to confirm that the will of God is good. We want to know the will of God is good. We want to know exactly what's gonna to happen to us if we sell out to Christ before we do it. That seems reasonable. The problem is, for lots of reasons, Paul reminds us that, that we cannot know. We cannot see that the will of God is good until we've learned to trust that Jesus is good anyway, and that we've given ourselves to him in trust of who he is, and then trust what he does. It goes on to say, then, your minds will be renewed, and you will be able to live a life which is authentically yours, and not one which is consumed with worrying about what other people think, not one which simply blends into the culture and society, not one which is driven here and there by the fashions and trends and causes of the day, but one which is rooted in eternal ideals and the reality of Jesus, and you will be authentic and be able to move forward with conviction because you will know what the will of God is. There's a lot there. But it starts with offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what I'm asking you to consider. That's a lot. It is. So here's the other thing I want to invite you. As you're considering this, if you're willing to take this challenge, not to make Christ your life, but to consider whether it would be a good idea. If you're willing to even give this consideration, I want to challenge you to come on Sunday nights or listen to the podcast or watch it on Facebook Live or join us in Zoom. We give you so many ways to make it as easy as possible. I want to challenge you this year, come to the series, Top 10 Truths About Fanatics. <laughs> and I want you to see through the course of that series why being a fanatic may not be such a bad thing. What a true fanatic maybe looks like and why it might be worth your consideration this year. I hope you have a great year. Whether you agree with me or not, I hope you have a great year. <laughs> There's nothing in my creed or my philosophy or my scripture that says I, I, I should wish bad upon you, and I do not. The only reason I share these things with you is not to control you. Because you'll do what you'll do. And I won't be there to make it happen or not. <laughs> the reason I share these things is because I genuinely believe there's a joy and excitement and a purpose and a stability that you're not going to find anywhere else. Thanks for being part of Focus Community. I've loved being part of it these last few years. Continue to be part of it for years to come. Thank you. Thank you for your part in that. Thank you for loving each other. Thank you for reflecting Christ so much. Consider my challenge. And if you're not someone who's already decided that Jesus is worth your life, make this year the year you figure out if that is, in fact, the most important thing you can do with your life. Have a blessed new year, and I will see you guys in a, next week when we watch our movies.
Most churches believe in the value of small groups, but at Focus Church, we are so convinced that's where the discipleship happens that we put all of our resources, our training, and our assessment into the focus groups. And we believe that you can be part of a focus group from anywhere in the country. So if you'd like to join us, just email me at pastormac, M-A-C, underscore at mac.com. And I'd love to tell you how you can be part of it. Either way, I hope this has been encouragement to you, and we'll see you here again next week.